Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset. Sam Bruce in the chair. Joined uh, on this Sunday morning by Christy Doran, as always, to wrap up the first test between the Wallabies and the Pumas up there in Townsville and also touch on the historic 100th test between the All Blacks and Springboks. Uh, Christy, let's start with the Wallabies. Uh, third straight win, uh, backing up those two victories over South Africa, which we spoke about, was absolutely imperative. Um, pretty comfortable in the end, 27-8. Um, I guess, mate, to start with, uh, your general assessment of the performance and perhaps a, a rating out of 10. Let's, let's start with the rating out of 10 because it's probably easier. I, I think, and, and it tells you a little bit about how they played. I don't think it was as bad as some people are making it out to be. Um, and for that reason, I'm giving it a, a seven. Um, I think any less than that would take away from the endeavour that they tried to play with um, and also the amount of opportunities that they had. And this is a banana peel game that often the Wallabies have slipped up on in recent years too. And, and, and Dave Rennie in his post-match press conference last night, he was clearly trying to make a bit of a statement to his team to go, hang on, let's just hold it for a moment. We're not quite as good as what we think we are. And next to him, I think Michael Hooper was pretty happy. He's thinking, geez, we haven't won three straight since 2017, as you, as you mentioned, but we, they haven't been able to, um, you know, if you think about 13-point win against South Africa the week before, uh, a pretty convincing win, really, there, 19 points yesterday um, on, on Saturday night. That, that shows a side against a, a reasonable opposition, a side that's growing in belief, and even though things might not be perfect at this stage, they're actually developing, um, in Michael Hooper's words, a wallaby way, and, and that's a pleasing sort of thing. Two things for me, Christy. Um, I'll start with my rating as well, actually. I, I probably, I'm not a seven. I think it's somewhere between that six to 6.5 um, performance for me. Uh, that first half in particular, they were just one try short, I felt, of that dominance. Now, um, if Nick White doesn't ground the ball up against the, the post pad uh, for getting uh, the change in laws from May last year, then I think they shift that a couple of passes and they score or a couple of phases later, um, they would have gone over. And, and patience, that, that really stood out for me uh, throughout the whole game, both halves, perhaps just not prepared to sit for those final one or two phases, find that last pass. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the jersey clash a bit later, may have come into it. But then also in the second half there too, uh, Argentina really dominated that first 20 minutes after the break. And, and Dave Rennie said as much. Um, Marcus Kramer, uh, just a couple of brain explosions there, has two penalties overturned. Um, and Emiliano Buffelli leaves eight points out there on the boot, which, you know, potentially the, the Pumas could have gone into that final quarter, you know, really only one point down. And we could talk about this with goal kicking all the time and ifs and buts or whatever. But they just, yeah, for me, the dominance they had in the first half, it was about 65 possession and territory and I think about 233 run metres to, to 74. It just felt like they were one try short. Now, a comfortable win in the end, as you said. But um, for me, they've just got to ice uh, that dominance and really ram home the advantage when they are on top. Yeah, and they're valid points, and they will certainly be brought up in, in reviews. Um, it allows, as Dave Rennie said, to be grumpy. Um, but, but I think sometimes it's important to measure how other other nations or other teams go. And we saw the All Blacks against the Springboks. You know, that's a game that people were going, how good is this? Like, Test Match Rugby is kind of, it's back when you see a clash of two Titans like we saw. 
1917 winners, the All Blacks with a 78th minute cannon of a strike from Geordie Barrett. And we'll talk more about that later on. But the All Blacks, they they turned over the ball regularly, frequently, in fact. And, and that was in dry conditions. Um, the humidity perhaps hadn't set in as much as it might have later in that evening. And, and yes, perhaps the defensive pressure from the box was, was maybe more superior than the Argentinians, but the endeavour that they showed was really important for me. Um, and, and perhaps the clash of jerseys did, did um, have some form of effect. We won't really know. But, you know, the integration of Rob Leota didn't look out of place at all. Um, even in the second half, James O'Connor, first game since May 29, that's a long time to be out the sidelines. And, and I recall him probably bombing two tries where he could have shifted to Samu Karevi on one occasion and also take Dermody's Reds teammate on a second in about the 75th minute. You know, you take those two chances. I think it was about a four-on-one there at one point. Yeah, you take those couple of chances and instantly that score looks much more emphatic. Um, you know, the set place was all right. Um, one or two lineouts that were stolen, and, and Dave Rennie mentioned that they needed to play with a bit more tempo there. And I think of one occasion where Flaufanger, in fact, had the ball ready to throw it in, into the lineout, and a, a second one just somehow miraculously gets booted over towards him and it ends up in his left. Um, and it just slowed the lineout five, six seconds, and it was a pretty weak throw and it got stolen at the front. Those sort of little things. But also they they refused to, or didn't so much refuse, but they turned down on a number of occasions shots at goal. And that's a change in mentality from the previous two weeks where they pretty much exclusively took shots when offer against the box. And I think that that's a good sign of development that not only can they um, take the points when they're offer because you need that in test match rugby, but at times you also need to go, okay, well, we're 14-0 or 12-0 up here, 14-0 up here. Let's, let's kick for the corner again and see if we can grab another. Foot, foot's on the on the throat at the moment, on the gas. Let's, let's, let's ram home this, um, this, this, this strong start. And that was another pleasing thing. You know, so we've seen so often that the Wallabies struggle to get out of the gates in the open 20 minutes. On this occasion, they, they flew out. They sure did. Uh, for about the third straight week, or probably even the fourth, um, Samu Karevi, just from the outset. And, and Chris, you want to go back to the first couple of tests against France at the start of the year when we were seeing so much of that out-the-back play off um, 12 and 13 with, with Hunter Paisami um, in there, uh, Matt Tamura as well, and, and just how far the Wallabies were getting caught behind the game line, game line sorry, uh, leaving themselves exposed at the breakdown at some of those, those crafty big French forwards. Um, and it's amazing what one player can do to shift the way a team plays. Now, just hitting Karevi up in, in midfield, um, he makes that break. His ability to just pump those legs and get those arms free um, makes the break that gets the Wallabies on the front foot there um, against a backtracking uh, Pumas defence. And Reese Hodge breaks his tackles um, from that next phase, the big right foot step and, and over. And it's just a fantastic start. And and that's another thing, just getting off to, to winning starts. You and I were talking all the way through the French series about being down 10-0 and 15-6 and I think 10-3 and, you know, just doing it the hard way. Um, this is a team that is now playing from in front and a lot of that is coming off the back of, of Semikarevi's power running in, in midfield. Yeah, it is. And, and that, that out-the-back play had been around for a long, long time. And, and I think of people like Rod Caver who 
in, before the World Cup in 2019, before the Rugby Championship, he, he kind of demanded and said that Samu Karibi has to play at 12 and they need to have a creator at 13. And at the times, um, James O'Connor was, was that option that they, they played at 13. But it's changed the modern game so much. And, and interestingly, England, with Scott Wisemantle, who's now the Wallabies attack coach, was Eddie Jones's right-hand man um, for a long, long time. The Wallabies way back in the day in, in Eddie Jones's tenure there, a skills coach, took with him in, in Japan, um, then over to England. He often would um, mix and rotate between having Manu Tuolani at 12 and 13. And when he was at 13, there would be the, the, the George Ford, Owen Farrell kind of axes, 10, 12, 13. And, and having spoken to him in, in, in the last 18 months quite a few times, he, he was prepared to do sorts of similar things with the Wallabies. But what it allows by having a really big centre midfielder at 12 is just an ability to get over the game line, to take a settler if needed, but to, to, to create off, offload opportunities. But it also allows some space at the back because you're always having to put two people on, on Karevi to bring him down. And guys like Lenny Katow are really, really thriving on that extra space. Quade Cooper has the perfect foil for him. We still haven't seen Quade attack the line, run with any real conviction. Perhaps it's just not even because we haven't got, or the, the Wallabies haven't got quick enough ball just yet to allow for that to occur. But that's the next stage of Quade Cooper's integration um, back into that Wallabies side is whether or not he can do what Bowden Barrett, Richie Milwanga do often, and that's attack the line. But you look at Karevi, he's doing what Marnonu did. He's doing what Damien Dialande has done for the box for years. And he's certainly doing what Tuolangi, the destructive nature. And you look at England's record with Tuolangi and when it's when he's not there, and it's chalk and cheese, particularly over the last three years. Um, Karevi is perhaps the most important figure in this in this world of his side and, and he really is making that back line look so much so much better yeah it's hard to argue there mate and obviously we're still waiting for a final decision on the on the revamp Gitto law but um watching him play you just you can't have a situation where they don't tweak it so that he is eligible um exactly how he has been this season um, the, the, the interesting the thing sam is how they're going to um, negotiate his, his uh, eligibility with the Wallabies going forward because uh, they don't want to have a scenario and here, are they being Rugby Australia, where Karevi and, and guys like Sean McMahon, who both played for Suntory, are uh, picked up all the time because as, as great as it sounds, and yes, under World Rugby eligibility, they should be given time to go play international rugby. It's a, a, a the players sometimes don't want to put themselves in that position to ask because it risks their playing futures at the club. If you're not there or perhaps if you pick up an injury, you're much more likely or less likely to perhaps if, you're, if you've got a contract negotiation soon uh, and you're wanting either an increased offer or the same amount when you're in big dollars over there, big yen, you don't necessarily want to be putting that in harm's way. So Will Samu Karevi, I think he'll play against Argentina next week and, and Japan in a month's time, but will he play on that spring tour? I'm not certain that he will. I'm sure that they will want him to. Um, the season doesn't start for some time and Santori are always proud of their international players. 
Yeah, yeah, well put, Christy. And that was I put that question to Sean McMahon at the start of the week when we all thought Sean was going to play around um, his conversations with Suntory um, and exactly how the, the process for him to return and follow Summer's lead had gone down. And he mentioned um, the fact that uh, he and Summer had both received emails saying how proud the club was of him, um, clearly with the, the best of uh, blessings from Suntory and really looking at... Uh, you know, the Japanese club gets a better player back on the other side. The guys go back into a test environment and, and bring those those learnings, um, horrible word that it is, uh, back into um, their their training and their play at Suntory, and that can can only be a good thing. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting space, and we keep talking about it, but um, we just uh, we know how, how I guess, um, defining of this Dave Rennie tenure, um, a decision on this Guido Law is going to be and exactly how it how it rounds out. Um, let's move on, Christy. Uh, we can't get past without talking a little bit more about uh, Marcus Kramer. Um, you mentioned in the, uh, when we were just chatting before we came on here, that it, there's a there's a fair whack of Lockie Swinton in him. And I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, we know what the case is, is Lockie plays up on the right of the line and, and so does Marcus Kramer. And um, two times last night, um, you know, just silly stuff. I, not to the worst hit on Corabetti by any stretch of the imagination, but after the whistle and without an arm and, and the trip though, the trip's just inexcusable in, in any form of rugby, really. It's a, it's a low play and he it was rightfully sin bin for 10 minutes. And, you know, while they only gave up three points to the Wallabies through that period, they had a couple of line out drives there where he would have made a huge difference close to the line and potentially could have shifted the narrative of that second half. Yeah. I thought the first penalty was a bit, oh. I don't like using the word soft in rugby because it's it's often thrown about and, and I don't think it helps the game. But I thought it was a little bit uh, – I, I would have been happy just for it to play on, to have a really strong word. I, I wonder whether or not the referee just thought there's been a bit of niggle already. We can't let that go. Um, and that's probably why it was penalised because, yes, he didn't really – it wasn't a shoulder charge, let, let's be honest. He, he kind of just um, – Just a half push, really, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and for that reason, I didn't think it was anything more than a penalty, perhaps not even that. But you're right about the, the, the trip, and it was just a, a needless thing. But he, he was a huge loss because the game shifted after his yellow card um, and, and it allowed the Wallabies to get back that momentum only four minutes later. I think it was that that's James O'Connor just really beautifully strikes a penalty through the sticks, which is encouraging to have another goal kicker back. He's been working on it so much over the last 24 months. But Kremer, he he was Argentina's, I thought, best player last year during the Tri-Nations. He was huge during that win over New Zealand, but also the draws against Australia. Um, what what he does is he's, he's strong over the ball, but he's just such a physical presence. And, and that's what the Wallabies will really be wanting out of, out of a Lockie Swinton or even a Robbie Galatini. Um, he's, a, he's a good player to look up to and he's a world-class player. So it was huge not having him there. Let's look ahead to next week, Christy. Uh, Dave Rennie revealed last night that Marika Corombete won't be playing. Uh, he's going to go and have some some quality time with his family, which he richly deserves. Um, we know that there's uh, another looming stint away from families coming up um, for the spring tour. So great to see Marika get back. Um, Sean McMahon, I think he was asked again last night, Dave, uh, said potentially... Um, it's hard to see him not featuring in some form this week, whether it's uh, in that number six jersey. Rob Leota was solid without, you know, didn't make any mistakes, didn't make any particularly big bulldozing runs or anything like that, um, but just did his job fairly well, you'd have to say. 
Um, so there's a couple of positions there. Maybe look to switch up. Um, where else do you see a potential change? Um, Angus Bell perhaps in line for another start? Yeah, I'm, I'm so impressed by Angus Bell. I think another start is warranted. He's a, he's a great player. Clearly, Dave Rennie respects the leadership and the experience of James Slipper. To have that extra, um, more experienced voice in the type five is really important. He's so well respected within that all of his team, James Slipper. I, I think Sean McMahon, he, he features somewhere, but isn't it great the depth that, that is building there at the moment? That, that's really impressive. And, and, you know, Hunter Paisami, good luck trying to get back in. You know, Paisami's a very good player, and perhaps he's that 12 option when Karevi, um, when Karevi's not there. Um, I, I think maybe Robbie Valentini might might get a break. He's right, been yep. there, thereabouts. I think it would be tough on, on Pete Sama, who's, who's getting... 20, 30 minutes, but it would be tough for him to 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 fall out and he's the perfect utility replacement, much like Sean McMahon, but perhaps doesn't have that ability to start and give the same physicality. So that's where I see that happening. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Wright get given another go now that Marika's not going to be there. I'd like to see any Murrayhead get given an opportunity at time, but... It's really, really um, impressive the amount of depth that that's building. The competition to get back into that squad is great. So I wouldn't think there will be too many changes. I wonder whether or not Tate McDermott maybe gets gets another crack against Argentina because he'll have to feature prominently against those English, um, the, the Northern Hemisphere sides. And, and perhaps a, a team like Wales or England plays a little bit more similarly than um, to, to Argentina. So just an opportunity to play, play 40 minutes from the start, bring it quite on and, and and be able to rotate and build both their games. Still that pass with Tate though, isn't it? Came on last night and he was really struggling to just hit, find those money balls out in front on the chest there. There was there's four or five that drifted up quite high at times and a little bit more work that needs to go in there clearly, but um, he just presents different pictures for defences in and around those rucks. Um, I guess, Christy, then uh, let's let's depth. I just want to talk a little bit more about the depth there. You're right. You go back to the start of the year and you looked ahead and you think, well, there's not a situation where um, – hard to fathom, sorry, a situation where Harry Wilson and, and Hunter Paisami uh, not only aren't in the 15 but aren't in the match day 23 and, and haven't been for some time. Now, we know Hunter went away for the, the birth of his first child but um, and we've had changes around the Giddo law and, and everything coming back. But – you mentioned there at number six, obviously, um, Swinton and, and now McMahon's back and Pete Samu coming off the bench. Um, and then, you know, on, on the wings there as well with there's a couple of other guys obviously out with injury with Vernavala who are all looking forward to seeing it, getting a look at this year. And um, Filippo Danguna with a broken arm who, you know, that created the, the opportunity for, for Andrew Kellaway to, to come in and make the position his own as he has absolutely done. So it's it's a big thing that this year, that growth in depth across the positions and not only getting the wins now and the season sitting at five and four, but as you say, just um, getting those one, two, and in some positions, three, like say at number nine, where we haven't seen Jake Gordon again now for a while. And, and there's huge wraps on, uh, on Ryan Lonergan as well there uh, from the Brumbies. So that's a, that's a real big plus from this season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's probably the big takeaway. And some of those guys that we're talking about who are youngsters coming through, the good thing is that it's not they're not get giving being given the starting jersey. You know, there, there is competition now because some of the older heads are coming back in. But we've noticed that with the older heads returning, um, 
you know, Quade Cooper and James O'Connor are the obvious standouts um, and make this this point really clear. But they 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 they're giving time poise out there um, on Harry Wilson. They'll be be writing uh, a little bit more about him throughout the week. It's an interesting one why he's not there at the moment. It's been a point of heavy subject, particularly on social media. Um, Dave Rooney did his best not to talk about Harry Wilson on Thursday during his team selection by also speaking about Fraser McWright, who's another really talented young player, but stuck behind Michael Hooper at the moment. Um, I liked the fact that he said that he wasn't just giving test caps out. We saw Michael Checker do that a fair bit throughout his tenure. And at times, um, perhaps at work, I thought it best worked during the 2015 World Cup when there wasn't much rotation between any of the team. He kind of knew what his best 15 was and his best um, finishes, which he kind of really developed that turn of the finisher. We're seeing that now. We're starting to see some finishes too. Um, one one player that we perhaps didn't talk about enough is is um, is, is Camilla Tupo, who had probably a, a mixed night. His his performance probably summed up the well of his game yep. against Argentina, where there were flashes of brilliance. There was the really strong ball carrying, but there was also one or two loose carries, penalised uh, scrum once for collapsing. I know Ben Darwin, who's a big fan, also spoke of the need that perhaps he needs to be penalised every game, so he, he just learns to scrum straight. I don't know if that's quite what's needed, but it's a point that's 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 interesting. And Taniela, it's a big next month or two for Taniela, particularly coming up against those Northern Hemisphere sides in, in the not-so-distant future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fraser McRae, as you mentioned, there was a name dropped by, by Dave Rennie. And if I wonder, you know, maybe that Japan test is the perfect opportunity to give Fraser a run there just to get him in and get him another game at, at test level. Um, he kind of plays that exact style of game that will hold up really well against Japan. There, I think, and you'll need another on ball with the speed and the tempo that, that they'll look to play out there in Oita. On the Wallabies uh, trip up north, uh, Christy, before we wrap up today, uh, the 100th test, New Zealand and South Africa, um, exactly what we expected. Uh, it was a physically brutal encounter. Um, two quick tries to start the match, and I think we thought, well, we could be on for a real, you know, 30, 40 point classic here. Didn't eventuate. Um, the box was certainly back to their best at the game plan, which they know and love so well. and even to the point where, where Fafta Clerk's putting up box kicks from about 25 out and the old the old Gary Owen up and under box kick, um, you know, because the the All Blacks back three were really struggling again under those high balls. Now they, they come away with it in the end, the All Blacks with that long-range uh, Geordie Barrett penalty, just a super strike from out there by the left touchline. Um, a really, you know, hard, physical, um, gripping test, befitting of the, the 100th uh, encounter between these two great rugby nations. Yeah, it was. It wasn't it great just to see them have a have a match again. It really, um, it, it, it's given the rugby championship a bit more energy. I think um, by having that match at this particular time, we'd all been waiting for it, hadn't we? Um, I wrote that I thought it was good for rugby that the All Blacks won, and I don't say that because I, I don't enjoy watching the Springboks play. Um, I just think that they are so one-dimensional in how they're playing that. You really wouldn't want every other nation copying what they do. You know, it's it's all, it's all, it's all well and good if one side does that, but if if more catch on and start to only play that way, um, and there are other nations in the world that would have the capacity to do that with their big forward packs, but it would be a, it would be a bad look for for rugby. You know, I can't imagine too many player fans that aren't 
diehard rugby followers would have really enjoyed the game. I did, but I think you need to be able to capture the audience more widely. Um, it's why we love the game, though, isn't it, that you, you can have different styles. But I, I actually thought that the All Blacks was one of their worst games in a while because Great. Yep. They, they not only were their hands really poor, um, perhaps because of the defensive pressure that the Springboks were applying, but they went away from what they do best, which is when they're firing, there's short kicks in behind, there's chip kicks, there's grubber kicks, there's cross-field kicks. They, they decided to put the kicking boots away and, and try to beat them through sheer pace. And it was somewhat surprising and staggering, really. It was, it was almost saying, we're going to make a statement by, we're going to like what we did against you at the World Cup in 2019. We're going to show the world that playing beautiful rugby is how rugby should be played rather than when trying to win the game through a combination of, of skill sets, which is the three-pronged attack through kick, pass and run. They were purely just running and, and the odd offload yesterday. Yeah, Richie, I'm sorry, Richie Moonga. I was about to say Richie McCall there. Uh, hello to Richie in Christchurch. Um, how, he'll be out, Richie Mawanga, that is. Uh, he'll clear quarantine this week. Um, do you expect that they bring him in? Bowden Barrett... I don't know. He's not quite the Bowden Barrett that we remember at the peak there of, of 2016 and, and 17 when he was winning those World Player of the Year awards. Um, I, I don't know. He, he just he's not that same, you know, threat at the line. Um, whether he's he's being told to play in a certain way, or perhaps it was just that Springboks defence last night. But um, interesting to see which way they go there this week. Whether you know having a couple of weeks of, of no contact in in quarantine for Richie Moonga is that you know, not enough to be coming in a game against the Springboks um, or given the fact that the, the tournament's um, all wrapped up, um, do, you, uh, do you lay it on the line and, and throw him back in there? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think Richie's probably played the better rugby, but we, we know that Bowden was just brilliant against the Wallabies uh, in, in Perth too. Uh, you've always, and we saw yesterday, there was, there was one left-to-right pass. And he's never had a great left-to-right pass, but his, his X factor has been his running ability. He hasn't quite shown that um, as much throughout recent weeks. I wonder whether or not there's just a little bit of hesitancy about which way is best way to play for Bowden Barrett. You know, Ian Foster's, um, it's, a, it's a completely different coaching setup to what it was three years ago, really. Yeah. The only same person being there was, was is Fozzie. Um, I just wonder whether or not there's a little bit of, maybe not self-doubt, but whether or not it's it's really how Bowden wants to play the game. Um, not having Aaron Smith there as well, um, maybe Aaron brings so much pace to the game. Um, I think that may have made a difference. But but in addition to that, the All Blacks' um, back row weren't nearly as good as what they've been. You saw Eric Muani make a, a few turnovers, and yeah. um, a couple of careless carries. Um, uh, Ethan Blackhouder was one of his first starts. So, yeah, I just think that there was probably a few few moving parts which didn't necessarily allow for Bowden Barrett to play with the same conviction that he might always. But but on a, on a different note, Will Jordan, he is one of the most impressive young players going around and I just love watching him play. So there, there are some real shining lights in that all-black story. Yeah, and we, uh, we wrap it all up in... Back on the Gold Coast this week, where uh, I think ticket sales have just about been exhausted. I think they're, they're getting very close to putting the house full sign up there. So a fantastic way to uh, to finish with uh, with no other sport on the Saturday. Of course, the NRL Grand Final will come on the Sunday and 
the AFL having wrapped up. So um, perfect opportunity to get out and see that up there. Um, just before we finish, Christy, uh, Photogate. Um, we saw this picture emerge from Townsville on Friday of only three of the four rugby championship captains, Michael Hooper, Artie Sevilla, and Sia Colisi. Um, and I must admit, I immediately thought, this isn't a great look. Where is, um, you know, someone, some form of Puma's representation, Julian Montoja, um, was clearly wasn't there. Uh, now, Mario Ledesma ripped in. Um, he took a, paused and took a moment last night to really have a go and, and say, speak out about the disrespect, he called it, of, of not having a, a Pumas player involved. And I tend to agree with him. Now, it appears every effort was made to get um, the Pumas up there. They changed their flights from the Thursday to the Friday. Um, coordinate. There was attempts then to, to get an injured player or someone not in the match day 23 up there anyway so they could have some form of, of representation. And then, you know, the... The, the photo is only meant to be two captains at a time and not three, the three that were there. Um, but it just wasn't a great look. And I tend to agree with him. Um, they brought a hell of a lot to this tournament since they've joined. And um, their efforts last year were phenomenal in coming out. And we know they haven't played at home for a couple of years. And they'll head back up north themselves um, for more games and more time away from home. So I tend to agree with with Mario Ledesma. Uh, I guess in COVID, sometimes these things happen. But, um, yeah, not a great look. Not a great look. You, you generally speak when you get a phone call from the Wallabies media manager at about 11.30, you start thinking, geez, what have I done now? Uh, that's what I thought when the phone buzzed late last night. Um, but in fact, it was, you know, a spokesman trying to, you know, give a, 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 his say on, on why Argentina, who their two coaches, Mario Ledesma and Michael Checker, very, very well known in, in rugby Australia circles, um, had, a, had a real spray. You know, a lack of respect, as, yeah, as, as, as he called it. Um, I do agree. I think that, you know, that there were attempts. The initial date was moved because they'd only just come out of quarantine. It would have taken a long time to, to move it. Um, you know, up there in Townsville looks gorgeous there. The weather and, the, you know, the, the photo, the backdrop looks really, really impressive. I, I'm surprised there wasn't a little bit more wriggle room. I know that, that the All Blacks and the uh, Springboks, the Springboks had been there all week. Um, the All Blacks managed to get up there, so why, why, why did Argentina have to delay their flight? Um, but but it, was a, it was a poor look. It was very odd. But this is a, a classic case of Michael Checker, um, who's, who's mentored Mario Ledesma, going, hang on, what about us? But the other thing, it's, it's, it's a more of a bigger issue that the fact that Argentina were treated terribly throughout the Super Rugby process and yep. just being cut off. Um, you know, their players had all returned there so that they could play for the national team. They were, they were tossed out with no real second thought, which was fair enough in terms of I thought it was always strategically the wrong move to, to, to include them in, in Super Rugby regardless. But that, that's a different conversation. And I think they have a point to say that, hey, we haven't been treated particularly well over the last two years and we're just the boot kickers in this four um for four-way partnership, which is Sansa. So fair enough from, from Mario Ledesma to, to lay a shot. Um, it was it was a really poor look not having a, a Puma's representation there. Yeah, sometimes you just don't know how those uh, late-night press conferences are going to go. And as you mentioned, uh, the phone buzzing and uh, a certain... Uh, uh, let's call it a, a rugby official, uh, just in a little bit of panic mode. But um, anyway, it was uh, yeah, fair enough for Mario for having a crack. Um, Christy, mate, thanks for joining us again. 
uh, to wrap this one up. Um, it, uh, yeah, another win for the Wallabies um, and uh, heading in the right direction, clearly, but still lacking that little bit of polish and, and ruthless edge. And uh, perhaps they'll find that uh, when we wrap things up for the tournament uh, back on the Goldie on Saturday. Thanks for your time, mate.